Well, I want everybody to stand up. We are, we are uh, broadcasting live, so I want everybody to turn around. Are we? We're live streaming, so I want you to turn around. Our pastor is watching by live stream, and everybody say hello and just scan the crowd, if you will. Hi, pastor. We're glad you're with us today. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Greetings from Ethiopia. <laughs> we have some pictures that we brought back. Do you, do you have those the pictures? Uh, it was coming back. It was a four-hour flight from Ethiopia through Dubai, and then a six-hour layover and a 16-hour flight from Dubai to Dallas. And uh, like Dorothy said, there's no place like home, <laughs> you know. But this is, uh, if you go back to the first picture, this is a Bible school graduation. Now, uh, we graduated 47 out of 50. And if you don't know about the Bible school, you can go online, jsmi.org. You can see the Bible school. Anybody can take the courses on there. Uh, Nikki and I are in the middle of the second course. And uh, I'm telling you, it, it, it'll fire you up. If you need to get fired up. <laughs> Some of y'all might need some fire in here today. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, but 47 out of 50. Now, what we do when we go overseas is uh, we went with Brother Joe. That's Brother Joe. And then that's Pastor John. Pastor John will be with us at the end of next month. What a great man of God he is. And he's in South Africa. And um, these were the top of the top pastors, apostles, prophets, and uh, just to give you a, an example, one of the apostles is right now is in the middle of building a ten or fifteen thousand seat auditorium. Uh, another one has like thirty seven pastors that, but all in all, these graduates represented in their churches around one million Christians in their churches. And so, what's what's historic about this is that. 30 years ago, Dr. Savell prophesied that there would be 11 nations that we would uh, help disciple. And Ethiopia was one of those nations. Well, it wasn't until just last year that we got the uh, invitation into Ethiopia. And so this was the graduation. So they had been taking this for a year. So this was the year coming back. So this was the charter uh, school graduates for uh, Jerry Savell Bible School in the country of Ethiopia. And we're about to break this thing wide open in Ethiopia. There's 105 million people just in Ethiopia. Now, keep in mind that there's a million represented right here. So we can go pretty deep in helping. And so one of the pastors that got up and and gave a testimony said how he um, had just started some churches in West Africa. And he wanted to take the Bible school over there. So we're spreading the gospel all over the world. (laughs) And you're part of that. You're part of that uh, where you are and and in your prayers and your finances and and being a part of this body. Amen. So I'm excited about that. So when I was there, this this was really one of my favorite days. We did a conference at a church. It was a three day conference. There were day sessions and night sessions. But but this for me was just the, the history of 30 years. Think about it. Of 30 years and now something's come to pass. And, and here I just walk in and I get to be a part of that. And I think to myself, I don't deserve to be here. But God. But God, <laughs> but God is awesome God. We got a couple more pictures. There, was a, um, there they are afterwards. They're, don't they look nice in their cap and gown? And then there were four of us that went over here on the right is Pastor Walter. He's from Canada. Pastor John from South Africa. And then Joe and myself. Amen. Y'all ready to get in the word today? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word has life and power. We thank you that your word brings faith. And Father, we thank you that, that you're energizing us with you, by your anointing, by your word today. And we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. First John chapter 5. First John chapter 5. 
and verse 4. <laughs> I'm going to continue on in the same uh, vein that Pastor Justin has been talking about. We overcome. In 1 John chapter 5, 4, you can see it on our board up here. That uh, this is the central verse theme of this ministry. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And it says... For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Say this, my faith faith will overcome the world. world. Now this word victory, it means to conquer, but uh, figuratively, it also means to, uh, this, this is a means of success. That this victory means it's a means or a way of success. And so if we put that in, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the means of success that has overcome the world, our faith. We're overcomers. We're overcomers. We're not losers. We're winners. Why are we winners? Because the one who overcame lives on the inside of us. The Passion Translation says like this. You see, every child of God overcomes the world. How many child of God? How many children we got of God? (laughs) Every child of God overcomes the world. For our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. It's your faith. Now, how does faith come? Huh? Oh. (laughs) Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? The word of God. Right now, the word of God's being preached. How shall they hear if they don't hear from a what? A preacher. So there's a preacher that's preaching the word of God. And with that, faith is coming. Faith is coming to you right now. And that faith is the faith that will overcome the world. Because the overcomer lives and resides on the inside of us. Nikki, Nikki and I were talking yesterday. She said, what if God were literally standing beside you? Would you think that you had problems? I started thinking about that for a second. No, of course you wouldn't think that. Well, I got God standing beside me. You know, it's like having a big burly, you know, big man standing next to you. You're just a little more confident to talk a little more. We say in the sports world, we say talk some trash. But not only is God standing beside, he's on the inside of us. Do you understand that the creator of the universe chose to live? On the inside of you and me, when Jesus went to the cross and he said, it is finished. The work that he came to do, it's finished. And then he rose from the grave and he came back and he appeared to his disciples. And he said this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven. Now think about this. The authority of heaven. In heaven and in earth. So the the authority that man gave up in the garden had now been restored and Jesus had it. So he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. So I'm going to keep it for myself and take it with me. Is that what he said? No, what did he say? He said, go therefore. In other words, what he was doing is saying, man lost this authority. I came back to restore this authority. And he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you back the dominion that you were created for. I'm giving you back the authority that you were created created for to live this way. And so that's what he was saying. So let me define for you the word overcomer. How many of you know we're an overcomer? 
Now, now I thinks real hard on this one. I thinks real hard. So are you ready for the deep revelation? Here we go. An overcomer is a person who overcomes something. Isn't that right? It's kind of good news, bad news. <laughs> You're an overcomer, but you got to overcome something. Now, these things aren't, uh, it's what the, it's what <laughs> that song, there are mountains in our way. <laughs> That's what they look like. They, and to our natural eyes, sometimes things can look so impossible. But if we understand that Jesus Christ, who overcame the devil, lives on the inside of us. First John 4, 4, one chapter back says, You are of, a, of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is where? So, if you knew that not only God was standing with you, but God is in you. Is life really that much of a struggle? That's the new thing today. Life's a struggle. Well, not if you're an overcomer, it's not. Life is not a struggle. The greater one lives on the inside of us. He already struggled for you. He did it. He did it all so that you can live and walk victorious and have authority and dominion on this earth. See, when we got born again and God raised us from dead to what? To life. Jesus said, I've come that you may have what? Life. That word is Zoe, which means the God kind of life or the way that God has designed us to live. God wants you to live the life that he's designed for you to live. And so that's what Jesus was saying. I came to give you life. He's in us. R.W. Shambach used to say this quote. He used to say, you don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. You don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. Yeah, but you don't know where I've gone through. Or you don't know what I've been through. You don't know where I came from. No, you don't know who's on the inside of you. Thank you for that hearty round of amens. Don't walk around singing that song. Nobody knows the trouble I see. That's not your song. That's their song. We sing a new song. And there's a new song arising in the hearts of God's children. It's a song of hope. It's a song of peace. It's a sound of liberation. It's shouts of victory. It shouts of victory. That's what's arising on the inside of us. We're at the end of the end times. We're approaching the finish line. And we got to keep this in mind that we're, we're almost there. And, and uh, Pastor Rick talked about it. So let's turn there. First Timothy chapter six. Pastor, did I tell you anything I was going to talk about today? First Timothy chapter six. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Now, how do we overcome the world? How do we overcome the world? How do we overcome the world? I'm going to get some participation. This section right here. How do we overcome the world? That's pretty good. This section over here, how do we overcome the world? Okay. Y'all aren't going to let me down, are you? How do we overcome the world? Woo, man. I think we're going, Pastor, they'll be ready for you when they get back. (laughs) It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of Many witnesses. The message translation says this. 
Run hard and fast in faith. Seize the eternal life. The life you were called to. The life you so fervently embraced in the presence of so many witnesses. Now, pause right here. Keep your finger there or put a tassel or something and go to Hebrews chapter 12. It's talking about in the presence of many witnesses. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, who are these people? Who are these witnesses that are, that are surrounding us, that are cheering us on? Do you know that when someone gets born again, that a celebration goes off in heaven? That someone else just came from dead to what? Life. The life that Jesus came to give us. And so it says, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So there are people... Great men and women of God that have gone before us and that have paved the way for you and I to live in this day. And do you know that if we were to do a poll, and since this is my sermon, I get to say what they would say, (laughs) that they would say that they wish they could be in this time that we're living in now. And I know some of us look at what's going on today and you think there's no hope. No, there is hope. He's called the hope of glory. And he lives on the inside of you. He's the light of the world. And he lives on the inside of you. That means that you were graced and gifted to live in this day right now. And so these clouds of witnesses are cheering us on. Men like Abraham and Isaac. And Jacob and Moses and David and Samson and John the Baptist, Philip, Peter, they're cheering you on. Men like John Wesley, men like John G. Lake, men like Smith Wigglesworth, Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagin, they are cheering you on. Now I've heard this verse before, but this verse came alive to me. Because Pastor John from South Africa, when he was, when we were in Ethiopia, the Lord gave him a word for Ethiopia. Now this was a word for a whole nation. And so I'm just sitting here, you know, taking all this in of of the, of the historical nature. See, if we don't look back to what, to where Uh, our forefathers came from and where they brought us to, to see where we're going. And all of it comes together. If you just go back into uh, verse or chapter 11, the last two verses, it says, and all of these having attained a good testimony through faith. Now, Hebrews 11 talks about the great men of faith, what they did by faith, having faith and where they were. And it says, but they didn't receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Then it says, therefore. What's the therefore? Those verses. Now, since we're surrounded by... So so our journey, our race is a part of all the great men and women in the Bible that have gone before us, that have plowed, that have sown seed. Even the great men today that are getting older, Brother Jerry, that's plowed, Brother Copeland, that's plowed, they sown seed so that you and I could take it and run with it and run our race and finish this race. You were born for such a time as this. Turn to your neighbor and say, I was, you were born. Say, you were born for such a time as this. Turn and tell two more people, you were born for such a time as this. 
In the sports world, we say it like this. It's our time. It's our time. It's our time. It's time to win. It's time to win. You got what it takes. Because the greater one lives on the inside of you. It's time to win. Life is not a struggle. You know what that is? That is a lying spirit. He didn't come to make life a struggle. He came so that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Get rid of that. Maybe you haven't seen the manifestation of what you've been believing for. But don't give up. Because it's just right around the corner. But the devil wants you to give up. He wants you to quit. The only way that we lose is if we quit. That's the only way we lose is if we quit. But you haven't been given a spirit of quit. You've been given an overcoming spirit, a spirit of faith. You've been given a sound mind. Not a spirit of fear. I think I'm, I think I'm preaching better than y'all are saying amen today. The Lord, about two years ago, <laughs> when I was a little boy, not two years ago, Wow, you grew fast. <laughs> when, I, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost at the age of nine or ten, I went out in the Spirit, and I was on the ground. I saw visions. And uh, my dad asked me, what, what did you experience? And all I told him was, I'm going to be a preacher. And, well, then I completely went the opposite way from that. Not that I was out living for the world or anything. Grew up in the church and things like that. But I got to college. I was on a scholarship for basketball. And all the athletes were... You know, we sat up in the balcony when they'd have chapel. We had chapel three times a week. And well, we sat up in the balcony, you know. And, and uh, they would have the call down front. You know, you're called to God. You come down front. God's calling you. I'm like, and this is what I said in my mind almost every time. I'm not going down front because God asked me to do something like go to Africa. True story. Well, years later, when I, you know, began to develop a relationship, we began to chase God, began to have passion for the things of God, a passion for the house of God and, and the work, the work of God. And, and uh, guess what came, kept coming up? Going to Africa. This was, it was a desire that was in my heart that had been put in there since I was a little boy. And well, finally, I didn't know how, I didn't know when God was going to do this. I knew it was in my heart. And about, what was it? Six, five, six years ago, something like that. I got up in front of the church and I just, our church in Michigan. And I just declared it out of my mouth. Nikki and I have in our hearts that, that we're going to go to Africa. So there. <laughs> we didn't have any connections in Africa, you know, at that church and, and, you know, anything like that. And so a lady in our church went out and bought a book on Africa. And so she gave it to us. So we began to read, you know, through the book and, and just discovering different things, you know, the economy and you know, just getting to know the, the, the uh, continent. And, uh, well, Nikki started taking Swahili. And that's, uh, that's one of the languages 
Well, she would get a daily email. And so she'd click on the email. So she had a daily Swahili lesson. And, and she'd be like, Junta, I, I mean, I don't know what the word, Junta, you know, uh, what's the, I thought she was praying in tongues all the time. Like, like, was this a new tongue that she had, uh, what, what was, what's the, uh, the Lion King? What's the Lion King? Uh, uh, Kuna Matata. Yeah. I mean, if you do it long enough, it sounds like you're praying in tongues. But anyway, uh, <laughs> what were we doing? This, 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 this dream or this, this vision that God had put on the inside of us, we were beginning to speak it, begin to talk it, right? Declaring it out of our mouth. And we supernaturally, about uh, 2016, got hooked up with Jerry Savelle Ministries. Now, I had loved Brother Jerry from afar, and meaning, you know, uh, I, I never met him, but just loved his teachings, like probably many of you and, and many that would watch this. Matter of fact, we ran into a lady yesterday uh, at a clothing store, and she found out that we... Uh, went to Heritage of Faith, and she goes, oh yeah, Jerry. You know, everybody calls him Jerry, because I guess they're on a first name basis or something, you know. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so I, you know, had grown up with her, her dad being our pastor and uh, teaching me the word of faith. And but boy, I would just eat up Brother Jerry's materials and, and things and we got hooked up with a ministry in 2016, and, and we uh, just supernaturally, I don't want to go into the details of all that, but then the next year, we, uh, Pastor Justin, we ran into him at this meeting, and he invited us to lunch. And so we went to lunch with them, and it was just, a, it was just one of those God connections. I didn't know that you know, a year and a half later, they would invite us on a trip to Africa. You know, you don't know everything. There's things, this may be news for some people, but there's things that you're not going to know when you go to heaven. You can't know everything. There's one that does. He knows everything. And so what are we to do? We're to take steps of faith. And it's a step. And it's another step. And it's another step. And it's another step. And then he reveals some more. And it's another step. And then he reveals some more. And it's another step. And it's progression. Well, I... About uh, two years ago, I had the Lord showed me in a cloud. I was I was I was sleeping, and I was looking in a cloud, and and He showed me into heaven, and I saw what the Bible refers to as the sea of glass. It's in Revelation four. It's in Revelation fifteen. It, uh, in one of them, it says that. It was, it's a, it's a crystal sea mingled with fire. I saw this. It wasn't something that was real long. It was, it was just a few seconds. And then, it, and then I woke up Now I knew when I woke up that I had just seen into heaven. And first question I asked is what, why, why would he show me this? Why would he show me this? I don't know why he would show me this. And so I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, what, why, what are you showing me this for? Because you, if you've seen this, the magnificence of it all, things you can't describe, the risk of sharing it is that people won't believe you, that they think you're making this up to, to create some great whatever. That's up to you. I know what I saw. And so I asked the Lord about this and I said, Lord, what, 
Why did you show me this? And he said, my people need to be more heaven-minded. And I said, well, what are you telling me for? Now, now, I don't mean that disrespectfully. You have to understand where we were at. You know, and, and I, I thought to myself, okay, well, I got a message. I can, you know, we, we would preach at our church up there. I got a message I can relate to the people. And then I get into the study of this and begin to uncover things that I'm not going to go into today. But pages and pages of notes and study. But the point of it all, the big picture, was that people aren't looking at the finish line. Now, heaven is where we're going to end up if you're born again. Now, if you're not born again, that's not where you're going to end up. And that needs to be made very clear that Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And He's the only way to the Father. No other way. And anybody that says contrary to that, don't listen to them. Because that's what Jesus said. So, from our natural perspective, heaven is the finish line. And Paul in Philippians chapter 3, when he was talking about this, or when he was making this statement, verse 14 Wait, where am I at? Philippians 3, not 2. He says, Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, verse 13, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. So it's saying, we got to look ahead. We can look back at where our fathers were. But I'll tell you this. That our fathers in the faith, the great men and women of the Bible. If you look in Hebrews, and I'll just read these verses to you. It says, for he waited, speaking of Abraham, he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. Speaking of Abraham. In other words, he was looking ahead. Moses, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. So looking past what was right in front of him, it says that he looked to the reward. He looked ahead. This life is a vapor, but eternal life. Another scripture says, but now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. So when Jesus was on the cross, the joy that was set before him, he was looking ahead. Now, if he was only, if Jesus was only looking at what he was going through on the cross, He was looking ahead who for the joy that we were the joy of Jesus finished work. And see, this is what he's saying here is I've got to reach or press toward this goal for the prize of the upward call. I've got to press toward my heavenly country. It says in Ephesians, it says, now we are citizens of the kingdom. You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The message translation says it like this. You're no longer outsiders without the rights of citizenship. Now, what, what am I saying with all this? That God, that Jesus said, I may come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Well, the kind of life 
that God gives us is eternal life. So I begin to think about where I'm going to spend eternity. And a lot of people are given this no thought of where they'll spend eternity. Now, if I'm a born again Christian and I know I'm going to heaven, then I wonder, how are they living in heaven? I begin to think about these things. Now, this for me, I'm giving this to you now. Now, I've been thinking about these things for over two years. Are they sick in heaven? Are they poor in heaven? How do we know that? Because the words that Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. For in my father's house are many what? Mansions. What was he doing? Take the focus off the trouble. Because ahead of you, there are many mansions. And see, if we can approach this, have this mindset of where we're going, if we know where we're going, then it will affect where we are now. If you don't know where you're going, then how can you effectively live the life that God's called you to live? Are they sad and depressed in heaven? Well, if I've been given eternal life, does that begin when I get to heaven? No, because why? Because Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Are you alive in him? Are we alive in him? We are no longer dead. We are no longer dead in our sin. We are alive in God. What that means is when he made us alive, he made us eternally alive. So it's not about the now, it's about where we're going. Like the now, the eternal life begins the moment that Jesus comes and takes up residence on the inside of you. That's when eternal life begins. The life of God. Oh man, we've been partake- we are partakers of his divine nature. So, the na- so we take on the very nature of God. So we can live right now in health. We can live right now in prosperity. We can live right now joyfully. Amen. Let me give you. (laughs) Some of you are getting it. Some of you are like deer in the headlights. We're going to get there. Where's that scripture? First Corinthians chapter nine. Verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize run in such a way that you may obtain it. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Not as one who beats the air. So what's he saying? That I got, I got to know who I am. I got to know where I'm going. And so with these things, this will help me fight my fight of faith and be precise about it. That I'm not just running around like a, like a chicken with its head cut off. I'm not just, I don't have, I'm not just running around with no purpose. That I know where I'm going. No, I know who I am. And see, this will help me in living my life. That's why I don't, that's why I don't enter into that behavior. Because I know who I am. Do they do that in heaven? No. So I'm going to, I'm going to start walking now like he, like I have the life of God on the inside of me. I'm going to start walking now like he's called me an overcomer. I'm going to start walking now like I am a conqueror because that's what he says about me. I don't say that about myself. I couldn't do this. I couldn't bring myself from death to life. 
It's the greatest miracle that's ever known to man. That man could go from death to life. Yeah, I'd love to see arms grow out, legs grow out, and, and, and people come out of wheelchairs, deaf ears healed, eye, uh, blind eyes see. But you can go, you can be healthy and go to hell. But the greatest miracle is when Jesus Christ, who died for us while we were sinners, and all we have to do is receive this gift of salvation. Why wouldn't you do that? Why would anybody reject this gift? Why? Because they've got their eyes on the wrong things. They're not looking ahead like Paul was talking about. I've got to look ahead. I've got to know where the finish line is. So that I can fight this good fight. While I'm on this earth. Because there are victories waiting for you. Why? Because you're an overcomer. When you walk out of there, there's a victory for you. And we as the body of Christ need to be walking out and getting some victories. See, every, everybody wants to be the one that takes down Goliath. And everybody wants to be like Brother Jerry and to see the culmination of his faith where he's at now. Well, I want to be there now. But they don't see the steps that he took to get to where he's at now. See, David doesn't get in front of Goliath until he's took down the lion and the bear. And so then when he gets in front of Goliath, he said, The same God that was with me when I took down the lion. The same God that was with me when I took down the bear. See, that's why I don't need the army or the armor that you want to throw on me because I know who I am. And so when I get in front of this uncircumcised Philistine, in other words, I've got a covenant. Come on, somebody. I've got a covenant with almighty God. He lives on the inside of me. This uncircumcised Philistine, well, he doesn't have a covenant with my God. And see, my God done took down your God. So what that means for me is I'm a winner. W, a big W all the time. I'm a walking W. (laughs) Satan's got a big L on his forehead. And the Bible says... That they'll look at him and go, this, this, it was him. That's, come on people, we're overcomers. We're victors. This is the way God's called us to live, to live this life. See, we don't have to, we don't have to have Everybody in here doesn't have to have an airplane to, to uh, you know, that's the, that's the end of your prosperity. You know what you can have? Your rent paid for. Your groceries paid for. This is what I'm saying is there are steps of progression. That doesn't mean I don't have my eyes on those things, but I got to get some wins along the way. That's why I just started out uh, believing for parking spots when I'd go into the store. Lord, I thank you for a good parking spot. Woo! Oh, thank you, Jesus. I got favor for parking spots. Woo! The Lord's shining on me now. What's that doing? That every time I'm winning, every time I'm winning, and it's building my faith, it's building my faith. See, right now your faith is being energized. Right now, your faith, you might have come in today saying, I got to have something that I can cling to. Well, I'll tell you the one you need to cling to. He's the one that didn't quit when he was on the cross. He's the one that said it is finished. Why? So that you can have everything, everything God has for you. Are you here? So, you still got your finger... (laughs) In 1 Timothy chapter 6, I told you to keep your finger there. Did anyone keep their finger there? Okay. 
First Timothy chapter six. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on, watch this, eternal life. Another word for lay hold means to seize. The message translation, it says to, it says to seize eternal life. The word seize means to take a hold of suddenly and forcibly. Another word to say that is grab hold of it. We used to say it like this, grab hold of it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better grab hold of eternal life. To seize it. To say it's mine. Eternal life is mine. It's everything. What is eternal life? Everything that God has for you. Everything that's promised in His Word is for you. Seize it. It's just like to say, you know, I see Azanel sitting back here. I won't embarrass you. And if I were to say to Azanel, Azanel, I promise you, now, as now you can trust me. Even though I picked on you that one day at the youth thing, you can trust me. Right now. <laughs> if I said to you, Azanel, God loves you. And there's $100 for you. No one, it's not for anybody else in here. It's only for Azanel. There's $100 for you underneath that. Is that a pumpkin? (laughs) Underneath that pumpkin right there. It's right there underneath that pumpkin. I promise you it's there. Now, Asnel's got a choice, doesn't she? She has a choice. We're talking about seizing it. What does a seize mean? To, to take it by, to take something by force. Now, Asnel's got a choice to make. Now, I promised her that that $100 is there. But if Asnel says, I don't know if I believe that, will she get the benefit of that $100? No, she will not. But if I promise her it's there, and I tell Azanel, Azanel, I want you to seize that $100 right now. I want you to seize the $100 right now. She has a choice to make, doesn't she? Azanel could choose to sit there. She could choose to sit there. Now, now on her journey to get the $100. She might even still be questioning whether I'm telling the truth or not, right? Hang on a second. So what did Aznel do? This was promised to her. And so what did she do? She went and took what was promised to her, didn't she? Father, bless Asnel. Bless Asnel right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the heart that you've given her for these girls. Lord, I pray for a special anointing that would flow from her for these girls to set them free in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that she will have great influence. Great in what you put in her heart will grow and have great influence in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. This is the life God has for us. What? Why aren't we taking it? We need some victories. 
It's our time. They're marked victories. They're victories that are waiting for you to show up. They're, <laughs> they're victories with your name on it. Marked for you. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Romans 8 will end here. Are y'all okay? Last scripture. Who give me five more minutes? Five more minutes. Raise your hand if you give me five more. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25. I love that one. You can only use it so many times. Romans chapter 8. So, what shall we say to these things? What things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If, if God, if he's taken up residence on the inside of you and me, what, what devil can stand? There's not one. Jesus defeated him. And the Bible says, had they had known what he was going to do, he made an open show of them in public. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us what? All things. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from his love? Shall tribulation? I want you to answer me. Shall distress? Shall persecution? What if somebody says, well, who do you think you are driving that nice car? Well, you don't think there, everybody wants money. You don't think there's persecution that comes with money? Let me tell you something. Shall famine? What if you're hungry? You're going to be like one of the Israelites that says, oh, if we could just go back to where we were. Nakedness, clothing, peril, sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all things, we are more than conquerors. Now watch this. Through Him who loved us. Big key right there. See if, see if Asnel, if she doesn't know, and I told her I loved her before she, before she came up. We don't know each other real well. She only knows me because I picked on her the one night at youth night. But then I, I felt bad later, so I apologize. But if she knows that I love her, whatever I say, Whatever I say. See, if you know that through Him who loved us, He loves us. Oh my goodness. My mom died in 2004. It was complications from a, a, a cancer removal surgery. Could have been avoided, a series of bad things. Boom, she's dead, like that. And 53, 53 years old. And uh, I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, I know, I know this wasn't your plan for my mom. I know that. Because at this point, I was at least taught enough to know that John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But then that's when Jesus says, but I've come to, to give life. So if something is stolen, 
killed or destroyed. It's in opposition. And so I said to the Lord, I made him this promise. At her, I'll tell you in just a second. At her funeral, this little old lady came up to me, sweetest lady. She meant well. And she says to me, she's about this tall. She's looking up like this. She says to me, God needed another angel. I checked out in my mind. I checked out. And I had this daydream of me like punching her in the face. <laughs> like a sitcom. Do, do, do. <clears throat> and uh, true story. Don't act like y'all are sanctified all the time in your mind. That's why we have to renew our minds. Some of us more than others. <laughs> Sometimes it's an hourly occurrence. But I I made this promise to the Lord. Lord, I will spend the rest of my days making the devil pay for my mom being taken. It wasn't taken by God. But see, if I buy into those things that, that God does this or God does that or this is God's will and it's not God's will. Because Jesus promised life. But just because something hasn't manifested in our life doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But the moment you quit, you won't receive it. That's why Paul said, I fought a good fight. We're talking about fighting the fight of faith. I fought a good fight. I finished my race. See, I can't run your race. You can't run my race. You have your own race to run. I have kept the faith. He didn't quit. And so we see here that in all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. Last thing. Verse 38. For I'm persuaded. He says he's convinced of this truth right here. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything shall be able to separate us from the love of God. He was fully convinced that God loved him. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And if he gave everything he could give, what more can he give us? Paul was fully convinced of the love of God. And if you are fully convinced that God loves, well, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I'm really convinced that God loves me. Believe. Paul had faith in the love of God. And then reverse of that is our faith works by God's love. So the more that we understand how much God loves us, the more that we can, for example, I'm trying to be done, guys. I'm trying. If you, if you had something wrong in your body and... Let's say you did it to yourself. Does that change the love of God? Okay. If God loves you, does he want you healed? Yeah, but you did it to yourself. But you did it to yourself. I mean, don't you deserve to, don't you deserve to, you know, uh, uh, what do they say? Suffer the consequences of your own decisions. Don't you deserve that? But it says that he's rich in mercy. Why? Does anybody know? It says God is rich in mercy because of his great love. Were you so great? 
when you got born again? Were you, were you ever good enough? Will, will you ever be good enough? Is God's healing based on your performance now? Is God's love based on your performance now? God's love is unconditional, is it not? So he was convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So therefore, he can have faith in the promises of God and what God says. Because if I believe the love of God, then I'll believe God. Have faith in God. It says in 1 John that God is love. So we can have faith in the love who God is. Does love care about everything that I care about? Does, does love care about the things I care about? If I love someone and they say, these are the cares that I have. And they start listing them. And I love them. Then you know what? I want to take care of their cares. And doesn't the scripture say to cast what? Are y'all getting this? We, I'm going to say it again. We were born for such a time as this. There are marked victories waiting for you when you walk out of here. You believe God. You believe what God says about you. See, I am who he says I am. And that's all that I am. It doesn't matter about green eggs and ham. None of that matters. But I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I can have what he says is mine. Doesn't matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter what people say. I choose to believe God. Is there anyone that chooses to believe God this morning? Would you stand with me? I want to read to you one thing as we walk out of here. It says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Are you looking forward to that day? Now, I'm not talking about some escapist mentality. That's not what I've been talking about at all. But I'm talking about knowing where you're going. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do you know that I did a study on this crown of righteousness and that this crown is like, is like a reward given and open. And it's conspicuous and it's elaborate. It's like an award given at public games where the Olympians walk out in front of the whole stadium and they, and they crown them or they put a medal on them. This is what this is talking about. And there's laid up for you a crown of righteousness that will be conspicuous and it will be elaborate and it will be in the open. Anybody hear what I'm saying? So you fight. It's not how you start. It's not where you've been. It's right from today. It's how you finish. I'm Eric Deaton and Jesus approves this message. Give the Lord a good shout today. Hallelujah!
think we should just give, you know, when they lined up uh, to do battle and there was a battle cry and that, that battle cry was to intimidate the other side. They didn't, they didn't make no wimpy battle cries. This was to say, Hey, I'm coming for you. You better not get in my way. Cause I'm like a steamroller. <laughs> I think we need to give one good battle cry. Are you ready? Yeah. On the count of three. One, two, three. Hallelujah! 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 Father, I thank you today for your word. Lord, I thank you. Your word is life to us, health to our flesh. Lord, I thank you today that bodies were healed. Lord, that strongholds were removed in Jesus' name. Father, that, that, uh, that peace came. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you've, you've injected us with your strength today. And we give you glory and honor and praise. We'll go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before us. And there'll be shouts of joy. And we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen. Amen.